Hi, welcome to the Mastermind Project podcast. My name is Brian McRae. I'm the founder of the Mastermind Project. And this podcast is intended to help you grow as a leader, to grow in productivity, and also to grow in relationships. Those are the three topics that we will always talk about here at the Mastermind Project. Chances are you're a small business owner or maybe a commissioned sales professional and you're looking to grow. And we know that growth doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. So once a month, we host an event designed to help givers grow. And so that's what we're here for. And this podcast is taken from a general session of a portion of our live event, uh, which we've now gone to virtual uh, as of 2020. So if you're comfortable, please join us. Feel free to join us. And you can go to www.brianckmcrae.com. And you can register for our next event, which is the third Thursday of the month. So sit back and enjoy the shared learning experience here of the Mastermind Project. So it is my honor to introduce Meredith McVeal and Dan Lewigs. Today, they're gonna to be covering seven habits of highly effective people. Thank you. Can you hear me now? Okay, great. So we're gonna open up with a song, a little bit of, yeah, there too. I'm kidding, I thought, I, Dan and I were rehearsing this yesterday and I said, let's be Donnie and Marie. <laughs> But I don't really, I can't carry a tune except for maybe in church. So anyway, so this is a lot of fun. Uh, Brian already asked you. Again, let me see a show of hands. I'm curious, how many of you have read the book? Yeah, isn't it great? 25th anniversary edition is the one that we reviewed last month. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. So what Dan and I are going to do is uh, review the book with you. We're actually going to start with a little uh, discussion about what is a habit and, um, and then from there, we're going to be reviewing the seven habits that Covey talks about. And then we're going to go through each of those habits individually and give you some little scenarios about how to, how to remember them. So my question is, what is a habit? Who would like to take a stab at that? Yes, the gentleman in the orange, huh? Coffee in the morning. Coffee in the morning. There you go. What's another habit? Brush your teeth. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Yep. Who else? Right, exactly. One more. Three, two, one challenge. Three, two, one challenge. Yeah. So what Covey describes as a habit is the, not, the intersection of knowledge, skill, and desire. So knowledge would be the what to do and why. The skill is how to do it. And the desire is the want to do it. Next slide, please. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit by Aristotle. So here we go. Next slide, Mr. Clickerman. There we go. I know. So the seven habits are be proactive. Can you all see? OK. Begin with the end in mind. Put first things first. Think win-win. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Synergize and sharpen the saw. Now, what Covey does, he does a wonderful job of, of outlining these. And the first three, as you're hearing Dan go through the first three, what that does is takes us from a place of dependence to independence. 
self-mastery skills. So before we can improve our interactions with others, we need to start with ourselves. So habits one, two, and three do that. Again, they focus on self-mastery, moving from dependence to independence. And then habits four, five, and six take us from independence to interdependence and how we relate to others. And then the last one, sharpen the saw, is wonderful because it has to do with renewal. And it's actually a compound effect or habit that is a result of doing the other six before that. So something to keep in mind. So next slide, sir. The first one is Dan's turn, so I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Thank you, Meredith. Yep. All right. This microphone is good today. I'm not used to that. So be proactive. Um, Meredith talked about habits. She talked about effective. So uh, great definition of habit, something you do without thinking. So perfect. So let's, let's do a quick exercise, everybody. Ready? If you're, seated, if you're seated at a table, maybe scoot your seat back four or five inches. Maybe scoot your seat back four or five inches. All right, ready? One, two, three. On your feet. Quick thing. Cross your arms. Simple, right? Something you did without thinking. All right, put your arms down. Cross them the other way. Total fail for most of you. <laughs> All right, have a seat. Total fail for most of you. So th that's sort of a habit. So something you've learned, something you've done in the past. A paradigm is when you look at things differently. So each of us have our own paradigm. So when you had to think for a second, well, how in the heck do I cross my arms differently? That changed your paradigm. Cross your arms. That was simple. I know what that is. I know what it looks like. I know how to do that. I, I, that one's easy. Confidence is something that we have when we look back at previous things we've done and we draw upon successes we've had and apply it to current events. So that gives us confidence. So crossing your arms is a simple one. You've got confidence. You can do that. Crossing your arms the other way is something you're unconfident about. And to develop that habit, we need to have the skill, will, and knowledge in order to do that. So simple example, you might not have the uh, desire to learn how to cross your arms quickly the opposite way. Well, I mean, what's the big deal? Probably ever won't run into one of these presentations like this ever again. So not that big a deal. But when we're talking about our professional lives, our family lives, our friends, our spiritual lives, those type things, now we're, you know, now we're talking. So think about the people in your life that are uh, highly effective type people, those seven things that you saw Meredith describe. You want to be around those people, right? The people that you know that are like that. You're like, hey, I like being around them. They're fun. They're effective. They get things done. They're number one, proactive. Proactive. So let's talk about proactive for just a second. Got a little strong-willed daughter at the house. She turned five today. We go to the pool often. So we've got a discussion when we're going to be at the pool during the very bright hours of the day. So you've got a choice. You've got a choice. 
hey, Emmy, it's time for us to do the sunblock. And the proper response from Emmy would be, I don't want to, no, I'm not doing it. No problem, Emmy. Here's the thing. I just want you to know you've got a choice. You can choose sunblock now, and then you can choose, or if you don't, you can choose aloe vera later. <laughs> so we're going to put something on you. It's either sunblock now or aloe vera. I don't want aloe vera. Well, if you've got a really bad sunburn in it, wait, what? I don't want a sunburn. So what's your choice? What would you like to do? Would you like to be proactive and just take care of it now? Or would you like to be reactive and deal with the stuff that comes to you? Does that make sense? You ever been around somebody that, oh my gosh, can you believe all this stuff is just happening to me? All this stuff that I don't have any control over is just coming into my life over and over and over and over and over again. So Pete says that's most people. So do you want to be around them all the time? No, no, not at all. You want to be around proactive people, people that take responsibility, responsibility. So it's your ability to choose your response, take action, do something, as opposed to letting it just come at you and come to you and not, not being effective. We'll talk about that um, on habit number three. But we love to be around proactive people. So here a long time ago in this community, we read a book called Seven Levels of Communication. And in that book, it has a little thing called Do It Now. Anybody ever use the Do It Now mantra? Hoover, you're shaking your head. Raise your hand. Right? Anybody ever? A few. You want to go from reactive to proactive? Repeat that all the time. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. And it gets in your head, and you're about to take on something that you're not confident about. You're afraid, fear, all these things. And you're like, oh, no, do it now. All right, fine. I'll just do it. And you'll get past the fear that's keeping you back. And by having that do-it-now attitude, you'll just move through things. You'll go a lot faster. Uh, talk to one of your proactive people. Oh, why aren't you doing it? Come on, let's just go. Those people are scary. Because <laughs> they'll just move through things. And you've, after a while, and then once, you're, then once you are one, then you scare others. So that's more fun. So that's be proactive. So begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. So think about your core values. What are your core values? What are important to you? Happiness, fun, energy, spiritual side. Think about the different core values that you have. People often think about the end. I don't want to think about death, blah, blah, blah. In the book, it talks about thinking about your funeral and thinking about who's got the microphone, and if there are four people that were going to have the microphone, so spouse, family member, friend, spiritual leader for you, people that are close to you, so in different walks of your life, maybe a coworker, what would each of those different types of people say about you? Would that reflect your core values? If you led a reactive life, what your ideal is, might not be what they talk about, and maybe they don't even go up and talk, you know? So I went to a service, it's been a couple of weeks ago now. Guy was a 46-year-old guy, married, 
two kids, senior in high school, eighth grade daughter. And what I got to see, I got to see 30 high school kids. They're like, who wants to talk? 30 high school kids jumped up, were super proactive, ran to the microphone, and the person running that portion of it was like, uh, how are we going to do this? They got 30 people that want to talk. She's like, do you guys have a representative? And this little, little, little girl, she goes, me, that's me. She's like, oh, thank goodness, we'll be here all night if this many people want to talk. And the little girl says, um, you know, hey, this guy, Brian is his name. Brian was a second father to all of us. We loved him so much. He was always around for games. He was always here to help us, always running out, getting pizzas for us two, three, five times some nights because we kept being hungry while we were at his house. And, uh, and then she goes, and to some of us, he was a first father. I'm like, wow, that sounds like something I'd love to hear at my funeral whenever that time may come. Then his wife got up and spoke. His son got up and spoke. His daughter got up and spoke. And uh, high school friends got up and spoke. And uh, I remember his wife, when she was up there, she spoke and she gave specific gratitude to specific people for things that they'd done over time. And uh, it was just an amazing, amazing funeral. So when you begin with the end in mind, and then you take an example, something like that, very real, very 46-year-old, you know, fitness guy that got taken out, uh, you, you get a lot of clarity. You get a lot, of, well, hey, this actually is important. I probably should do something right now. So you've got some uh, desire to be proactive. So think about each of the different areas, and then Brian and I talk about it all the time, and then chunk it down, you know, get you a, a closer time frame, and then get you a closer time frame, something maybe around 18, 24 months, and what does your life look like then? So first, we create it in our minds, and then secondly, we follow through. We figure out what are the proactive things that we can do, what are the daily things we, we can do, what are some new habits we can include so that we can move forward, so that we can reach those ideals, the, the uh, end in mind, if you will. That makes sense? So effective people do the right things right, and we do them right now. So we just always take action, always move through that. So, all right, put first things first. So this is one that I probably have the most people coming to me that want to talk to me, and all of them start with uh, the word time blocking. Anybody ever heard that word? Anybody ever groaned when you thought about that word? Like, ah, oh, time blocking. Oh, I don't always get to my time blocks. I don't always time block. I don't always do the thing that's in the block at the time that I was supposed to do it. All that. And so much energy is around about what we're not doing. So this is something I picked up a long time ago that helped me out a ton. So here's a little graph. I'll make it simple for you. You don't necessarily need to write it down. It's something really easy to remember. So top left-hand side, urgent and important, right? Urgent and important. Top right-hand side, not urgent, important. Bottom left-hand side, urgent and, and important. And then bottom right-hand side, not urgent, not important. So when you think about your day, and if you track it for a little while, how much of your time is spent in each of the different boxes? 
and you would think urgent and important. All right, I'm going to get all that stuff done, that urgent and important. That, there's two really, really big things. Urgent, got to get it done now. And important, well, it's important. Got to get it done. And a lot of people live in that. And I refer to them as firefighters. They take great pride in fighting fires. So wake up. First thing we do, make for sure we check our email. There could have been a fire that happened last night, and I might need to solve it at 5.17 a.m. <laughs> might need to. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. Alarm went off, and I'm not out of bed yet, but I'm checking email. And then maybe I'll go to Facebook because maybe there's a fire there. Let me, let me jump on that. So that's firefighting. That's always looking for stuff to come in and take us out of our groove. If we just shift over and move over to the not urgent and important and spend a lot of time there, that's planning. That's being proactive. That's preventing fires, which is a lot better than fighting fires, right? Who wants to prevent fires? Who wants to have a checklist for your clients that walks them through what the timeline is and gives them expectations and creates happier clients so that they introduce you to people that are happier that want your service? It makes it really, really easy when you got the Rainmaker affirmation in your head. Everybody, everywhere I go, every place uh, that I go during the day, everybody I meet always wants to do business with me and they want to introduce me to their friends and family who want to refer me, no matter if I'm at the church, at the office, at the school. No matter where I go, everybody wants to do business with me. It sure feels really good when you've got the not urgent and important side of your life and your business intact. And when we've got the business side down, a lot of us are really good at focusing on the business side, we can take all those principles and apply them in the other areas of our life as well. So all the things that we practice on the business side, we can just directly implement in the other areas of our life as well. So, um, back up to proactive real quick. Anybody ever seen that website, L-M-T-G-F-Y? Dot com. Love it? Why do you love it? Yes, so proactive, passive-aggressive. Proactive, passive-aggressive. So somebody's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff, and I just don't know how to figure it out. So that stands for, let me Google that for you. <laughs> It'll create a link, and you can send them the link. And what that link does is brings up a Google page, and then it types in the search that you used and then prompts them to hit search. <laughs> and then it takes them to the Google results page of whatever it was, right? So proactive, you could send those out, a little passive aggressive. Reactive, being a type of person that receives those links. So be proactive, have the end in mind, and um, be involved in uh, doing first things first. Use the quadrants. When you're evaluating your day, use the quadrants. It changes your paradigm, where you're looking at things. It makes a massive, massive difference in your life. So I love the day that I decided I was going to retire from being a firefighter. Pension's not very good, but it was a great day. <laughs> All right, come on up, Meredith. Come on up. Very good. Wait, is this working? Hello? 
Okay, good. Yes, it's working, Meredith. Will you stay? Let's have a win-win. Will you stay and help click the slides for us? Yes, I Thank will. Thank you. Okay, good. Wasn't Dan great? Yes. It's always so fun to work with Dan. He's got so much to share. So habit number four, think, win-win. So this is great. This is, um, so we'll start with win-win, which is the way you want to go. That's when both people win. Agreements or solutions are mutually beneficial. So there's two ways to look at that. You can go win-win, and then there's win-win or no deal. So that can be your backup thought when you're in negotiations or whatever. Is like, we're not going to settle this unless it is a win-win. So it's a wonderful mindset to go into any sort of uh, negotiation. There's another one, which is win-lose. That's clearly, I win and you lose. That usually comes from a place of ego. And the person doing the negotiation is more concerned with themselves and not so concerned with you. Uh, ego, again, comes into that. Power comes into that. And per strong, strong personality comes into that. And it reminds me of the book that we did last month that Nick did such a great job on of enemies of excellence. And the first enemy is ego. So I, I read once, uh, ego stands for edge God out. So when we're leaving God out of things, um, you can't really win. So that's win-lose. Then there's lose-win. That's I lose, but you win. Usually people that are driving that sort of negotiation have a really uh, unhealthy need for approval and a unhealthy, uh, just they want your acceptance. So they'll do something that just causes them too much time or money or whatever just to make the deal happen, and you'll win, but, but I won't. So I say that as a former approval junkie. <laughs> then there's lose-lose. Both people lose. Pretty evident that's not going to work. Um, often that happens when you have two very ego-driven people trying to do the negotiation. Neither one wins. So lose-lose. Win-win consciousness actually comes from a place of abundance. There's enough to go around. I remember, um, whenever I hear this or think this thought, I remember meeting Barry Russell. And Barry uh, came to one of our Coffee and Connections events, and I hadn't met him, it was way back in the beginning. And what I loved about Barry was he said, you know what, Meredith, there's enough business to go around. That said all I needed to know about him. So glad you're here today and his lovely wife, Deborah. Um, but it's really just a, a difference of abundance mindset or scarcity. And really, as proof in this room, there is enough to go around. So, let's see. To create win-win, focus on results and the issue at hand and not people. Um, excuse me for just a minute. Dan, when you and I were practicing this, do you remember talking to me about your how you couldn't see? Yeah, I was... Uh, Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I like, remember that. Okay, so, sorry, I just have to take a second. Do you, you were saying you can't see, you can't read, right? So I'm just going to give you my glasses. There you go. That'll work. Uh, yeah, it'll work. Shh, just put them on. Okay. Yeah, just put them on. Yeah, they're fine. It's fine now, right? Yeah, you can... <laughs> you can see. <laughs> you can see, right? My prescription will work for you. No, Has anyone no, ever? No, no, no. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. And this is a lose, 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 by the way, because I can't see any of you right now. 
But wait, wait, we're going to try this again. Here, here, Don, you were saying, yeah, yeah, right? You'll put those on. Those will work for you. Yeah, they'll be fine. She complains all the time that she can't see things. Right, see? Doesn't work for you either, right? <laughs> yeah, right, okay. I know, I really can't. <laughs> Look at my phone. My font is this big. I'm not kidding you. So the point is um, we want to seek first to understand and then to under be understood. Isn't that great? I know. We had so much fun with that. Yeah. See? She has on my glasses, too. It's not pretty. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, is that what naturally works for you may not nece necessarily work for the other person. So what we want to do is decenter ourselves from our feelings and where we, we think we're at and we have the necessary fix and really listen with empathy to the other person. So if I listen to Dan, and he's telling me that he can't see, he can see distance, but he can't see up front, this isn't going to work for him, but I might be able to refer him to a great eye doctor <laughs> or whatever. So the point is, is that we really need to just, uh, with, that came up in book club. It was probably my favorite takeaway was just decenter yourself, get over yourself for just a little bit, and think about the other person and what they're going through. So it's called empathetic listening. And it's just truly getting inside the other person's frame of reference. Another thing to keep in mind when you're trying or seeking to understand somebody is to consider their communication style. There's, of course, emotional intelligence, which is so important. But what we learn in the book, Covey, point, Covey points out that only 10% of our communication is verbal. I would have thought it would have been a lot more than that. 30% um, are the sounds that we make and the tone of our voice. How many times have I had to say to my boys, your words are great, but your tone isn't? <laughs> so pay attention to tone. Are they upset? Are they angry? Are they sad? And then lastly, 60% is body language. So we can tell a lot from naturally from how closed off somebody is, if they're smiling, if they're short of you know, breath, anything like that. So pay attention to that. So it goes to empathetic listening, which is becoming decentered and get inside the other person's point of reference. And habit number six is synergize. So synergize is when we work together for a common good. Covey uses the example of plants. When you take two plants and you put them in soil together, it actually makes the soil around it richer. The same goes is true when you're working with people. So a personal story. Um, would you go to the next slide? She doesn't know I'm going to use her as an example. So years ago, uh, when I started this job, I needed to meet realtors in West County. And through Mastermind St. Louis, I reconnected with a dear friend, Andrea Lenzen. She and I had sold homes together. And so we went and had coffee, and we decided, well, Brian always talks about having a shared learning experience. Why don't we do that? So we decided to create something called Coffee and Connections. It was at Caldi's. We had maybe five people. Well, let me tell you, four years later, we had standing room only on Monday, and now we have it as a bi-monthly event because we're both expanding our business into St. Charles, and it's called Coffee and Waffles. So it works. Synergize. Synergize with the people that are in this room. Get to know them. Partner with them. And you never know what you can create. And Dan's now going to wrap up with habit number seven. Oh, you have one. Thank you, Meredith. You can hang on to the microphone. Hey, um, would you tell us about Brene Brown, that interview? Put you on the spot. I know. Okay. So what, Brene Brown, oh, about um, how interview. she paused. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. So John O'Leary's podcast is wonderful, and he featured Brené Brown last week. And the thing that I was pointing out to Dan was is that when he asked her a question, she just stopped. She didn't just spew out an answer. I almost thought that I had lost connection. I mean, she waits a good several seconds before she answers. It was very thoughtful. And you really, after that pause, you really pay more attention to what she's saying. Is that the answer you were looking for? Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> so that is a very difficult exercise to do, yes. to just take a pause after somebody speaks. So if you intentionally take a deep breath before you respond, it's hard. <laughs> but you can get, gain some practice and realize that what you have to say, maybe it's better to ask another question, or maybe it's better to get more information, maybe it's better to let that resonate and sink in. And it, um, these habits are not uh, just individual actions. There's something you repeat, and it takes time before you refine it, and it's just something you do unthinking. So that one is a huge skill, and it takes a lot of uh, patience and a lot of practice before you can get good at that. So that one is huge, and that was a great, great example. If you know Brene Brown, she is uh, just a fascinating person to listen to. So, and John O'Leary, too, for that matter. So sharpen the saw. So sharpen the saw. I'll talk from the male side of things for a second. Uh, you can disagree with me if you want. So sharpen the saw. For me, all of us guys, maybe not all, but most, we think about, okay, we're going to get good at work. We're going to be great at our industry. Hey, Doug, I want you to sharpen the saw. Absolutely. I'll get in there. I'll dig the books out. I'll study. I'll, you know, have my mutual funds ready to go or whatever the case may be. So we get real focused there and we forget about all the other aspects of our life. So I touched on it earlier about using whatever our kind of strength is, and we practice, and we're just naturally working on that aspect of our life, take what we learn there and put it into the other areas. So Covey was very, very specific. Uh, systematic renewal is something he talks about. He's like, you've got to do things that you enjoy. You've got to take time out for yourself. You've got to plan these events. Um, for guys, often I hear, uh, if you've got a 10-year-old son, give or take, Hey, my son's acting up and he's being crazy. Hey, cool, when was the last time you did something one-on-one -on -one with him that was fun or timeless? Oh, man, it's been a, at least a few months. Like, they crave that renewal. They crave that attention, that, that desire, that um, bonding. And people are like that. All people like that. All people want to know that they're thought of. So uh, do some physical activity, whatever that might be for you. You know, I love hiking myself personally, so if I could hike or bike out in the woods, that'd be my thing. If I can do that once a week, I'm generally a pretty happy guy that week. Uh, do things to renew yourself spiritually. Uh, I recommend doing that daily. Do things to connect with friends and family often. If you're only good at the work thing, you'll only be good at the work thing for so long before other things derail you. Also in the book, The Enemies of Excellence. So you will get derailed if you only pay attention to that work thing. So sharpen the saw, and it applies to every area. So Brian talked about the 3-2-1 challenge earlier today. So I was in a car accident the other day. I totaled my car. Obviously, I'm fine, so thank you for asking. 
ran into a deer. Um, but the thing, they said, come get all your stuff. So the thing that I was going through my car and taking everything out, I had this book in my car. So this book started about seven years ago for me. So, so many things we're talking about today are right here in this book. So years ago, I wrote down, I'm a great time blocker. It's interesting that I get people coming to me asking me about time blocking. Uh, I'm a referral generating machine. I wasn't back then. Uh, I am happy in super capital letters with an exclamation point. Down at the very bottom, it says, by 2016, my wife will be able to choose to work. So back when I wrote this in 2014, it was an absolute necessity that she worked. And Mark Warren heard that. My wife now is a homemaker, so the work she chooses to do is in the home. It doesn't pay very well. However, it's extremely rewarding and makes my life better. Mark Warren said, oh my gosh, did you really put that down? I'm like, it's going to happen, Mark. It happened in 2015. My wife didn't find out because I didn't tell her. I gave her... I gave her an assignment. I said, you know, plan your life. Do this seven habits type thing. Once you have it planned and I've accomplished my side, we'll make this happen for you. And she says, hey, I think I can quit work. I said, How come you didn't tell me? I said, well, because you haven't told me your plan yet. So you've done your side? Absolutely. You're in advance. Now, now you got to do your side. So Plan what you do. Plan your activities. Uh, Brian and I and a lot of people in this room, Meredith included, we work a 12-week plan. So we've got our end in mind. We've got our 18-month goal. And then we've got our 12-week plan. So it's short enough where we can see it. We can incorporate the sharpening, the saw part into it. Um, so one of my goals is to have fun. One of my goals is to connect with people, make others happy. Uh, my five-year-old daughter enjoys a few things, unicorns, uh, telling people what to do, <laughs> and um, making other people happy. She loves to make other people happy. Well, there you have it. Another Mastermind Project podcast. We want to thank you for being here and investing in yourself. Uh, that's the key to growth because we know that growth doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. So thank you for investing in yourself. We hope that you found something here useful. As a matter of fact, it's our desire that you've heard something from this podcast that would make a difference if you implement it in your business. And we know that success favors the speed of implementation. Take a note, take action on something that you've learned here. It'll make a difference. We'd love to hear about it. So, and you can also join us and tell us a little bit about it at our next live event. And you can register for that at www.briankmcrae.com, www.briankmcrae.com. We've got our mastermind event schedule there and you can join us virtually uh, at our next event on the third Thursday of the month. So for this time and until next time, study things that matter, practice things that matter and teach things that matter to people who care. Appreciate you.